What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Positionless Podcast, the first, most diverse, and well-versed show this side of the Eastern Conference. You're listening to the second episode of the Positionless Pod, and if you forgot who we are already, uh, let me introduce myself and the guys I've got here with me. So we're actually doing it over Zoom today. We had a little bit of a technical issue, but we hope that... You know, next week we'll all be back in studio. It'll be a good time. But yeah, so for now, let me obviously introduce the guys that are unfortunately not here with me in studio. But I do have over Zoom, I've got my guy uh, Aaron Matthew, the man, the myth, the Laker, uh, Diego El Fuego San Agustin, and Tito Mike Cruz. Uh, how you guys doing? Any, anything new going on in your lives? It's not being in the studio with you. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I was there with you. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a lonely it's a lonely world in here. It's cold. I like spilled some of my Thai food earlier, so I had to like run downstairs. That's why it took me so long uh, to get onto this call. I I got like I ordered some Thai food, and some of it got onto my shoes. Oh, it's shit. just been like it's been a really crappy time in the studio. I think that if my boys were here with me, it might be easier. Yeah, I would have had Thai food with you, to be honest. That'd have been I cute, would've... man. We we both could have made a mess. Yeah. It's okay. I wouldn't be lonely in my uh in my in my pain. You know what I I I actually just realized. So I never introduced myself last episode. I never like gave people a rundown on who I am. And maybe it's just because oh, I'm go. humble. Time. All right. Lose yourself. Yeah. So I'll give you guys like a more formal uh entrance, a deeper look into the most annoying guy in the room. Uh, I'm unrelentingly loud. I'm like probably the worst senior NBA insider. Uh, I'm Kai Gamage, so I'm a Raptors fan. Uh, just like every other Raptors fan on Twitter, I'm also the most level-headed Raptors fan. And in fact, like I look at this team with with like real sincerity. Uh, I think that Scotty Barnes is probably untouchable, even if like they offered Giannis. So uh, yeah, I think I'm a pretty level-headed Raptors fan, just like every other Raptors fan on social media. Let's get into the episode, guys. So this is one of the slower weeks of the year, not just for basketball, but for sports as a whole. But, you know, we find a way to work around it. We're positionless. We figure out what we're doing. We'll figure out things to talk about. But since we last recorded, unfortunately, we recorded just before the DeAndre Ayton news broke. So we never really got to touch base and um, on the on the Ayton move. We, never, we only really got to, like, mention it without really getting into the specifics of what happened. So we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, We won't spend too much time on it because, again, we did address some of the Aiton issues last episode, but real news broke after we had recorded. Uh, We'll kick things off with some news off the top. Harden, Phoenix, the Lakers, because the Lakers are obviously always in the news. Later on, we'll get into some Summer League superlatives and instant reactions, as well as a pretty big talk about the WNBA and the upcoming Commissioner's Cup. So stay tuned for some great content about the dub. It's been a great season so far. For now, though, let's get into some news from around the NBA. So I wanted to get things started with one of the more sad or like negative topics as well, or negative topics, because, well, it's, 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 it's a big deal. And it's something that should have been addressed by, you know, should be addressed by anyone following the NBA. So Miles Bridges, I guess formerly of the Charlotte Hornets, is formally facing a domestic violence charge and two charges of child abuse in the pretty well-documented case that came up back in June of him abusing his wife in front of their two children. As of this afternoon, Bridges has officially pleaded not guilty towards the domestic violence charge, according to Baxter Holmes of ESPN. 
And as of now, though it seems the charges he's facing are more serious than what people might have believed he would be dealing with, the two counts of child abuse are especially glaring and only make the case that much more severe. So what did you guys think of the most recent news that broke? And what do we think of the whole Miles Bridges um, um, domestic mean, violence charge as a whole? It's a tough thing to come back from. And, you know, it's a serious issue. Extremely disappointing to see something like this keep happening. And from a basketball standpoint, it really sucks to see such a talented young player like Miles, you know, under these allegations. And he was arrested a day before the start of free agency as well. The Hornets extended a qualifying offer to him following last season, meaning, you know, they had the right to match any offer from an opposing team in free agency. And, you know, he just had a great year with the Hornets. He was the leading scorer last season. He averaged 20 points per game, seven rebounds, almost four assists in 80 games. And he, you know, he developed into a star for them. So seeing a guy like him um, having to deal with this type of shit, um, it's really tough. And it, it's, it's going to, it's a tough setback for his career, to be honest. Uh, honestly, I don't care about his career. When you do stuff like that, it's you shouldn't look at oh how he threw away his career. It's when you do stuff like that, it's probably not the first time, right? There's there's it always yeah. builds up to yeah. stuff like that. So he's probably been a shitty human for a while now, and I'm not surprised with the whole pleading not guilty because that's what professional athletes or celebrities do in such cases. But it's sad to see what the wife and especially the kids had to go through talking about the basketball aspect of it like the Hornets probably were on their way up like they had a solid core and they were trying to build it up but this obviously affects them and when they have the worst owner in NBA in the in the league it only makes it worse for them yeah like Mike Michael Jordan is the goat Otherwise, with his like his playing career, but like it's not even a conversation that he's the worst right now. Probably after Robert Sarver. Yeah, what's like really heartbreaking. Um, I think you kind of touched on it there about this whole Miles Bridges situation. Is that well now now that he's pleaded not guilty, it kind of just means that a court process is due to continue. Um, this isn't something that I think that the wife should really. I'm, there's no chance that she, this is something that she wants to go through right now. The it's kids sweet. will probably have to be in that courtroom. It's going to be yeah, freaking messy. And like, obviously, I think that it's pretty clear that he is. Ugh, I mean, I, I, I can't really speak to the legality of it. It's not something I'm well versed in, but it's pretty clear as to the fact that Miles Bridges abused her, you know, in front of these kids. Um, yeah, should we bring out the backlot for this guy already? I hope so. Yeah, I really, I don't want to, I don't want to see him in the NBA, man. There's, there's no way you should be on like an NBA roster again. No. Like, I don't, I don't think any team will like to take a guy like that. Yeah. I mean, as Aaron said a while ago, he's probably done something, some shitty things in the past. Like, we saw it. We saw a glimpse of it last season when we had, when he had that outburst when he threw that, um, his mouthpiece to the crowd and hit a little girl. So. Yeah, I mean, just on a way ten times, ten thousand times worse mm-hmm. with this one. So, yeah. and as you said, this is probably going to be a lengthy court battle, which is ridiculous, right? It shouldn't be. And like, I don't know. I really hope that I, I'm just gonna be frank about it. I hope he never touches an NBA. I hope he never touches a G League or otherwise court for the rest of his playing career. 
Yeah, right? his career is pretty much over after this. Yeah, I hope so. I really hope so because there is precedent like for things like this sort of just being skipped aside, right? There is precedent of like bad players in major professional sports league just kind of getting away with it with like a slap on the wrist or a fine. But I don't know. Yeah. I think that I think that if the if the NBA you know, they've done such a great job of like in recent years, especially of being more vocal when it comes to social justice. They've been really great at like not only being reactive to issues surrounding race, but proactive as well. I think that you need if you're going to be a voice for that issue and for that community, you need to be a voice for other issues and other communities. You, you need to stand up for for women in a case like this. You can't I'm, let bad people get away with crap like that. Yeah, I'm actually glad you mentioned that because, you know, obviously NBA fans have been outspoken up on this. They've called out Bridges on this one. But have, have we seen like any NBA players call out Bridges for something like this? I mean, if, if they're going to take a stand, you know, they, they should be more vocal about this. Yep. Yeah, like this I, is one of the... I haven't seen any. Yeah, like, any, me neither. Any like NBA speak up about the issue. Yeah. Like this is this is one of their this is a fellow player in the NBA and like you need to condemn behavior like that if you're like I'm sorry if if you're not gonna if you're not gonna stand up for all the women and children out there and like the ones the lives that are really at harm in situations like these like domestic violence is such a freaking massive and universal issue if you're not gonna condemn like a guy that was in the league with you for a kind of breaking every single bit of the code that's out there i mean that's i I can't i can't take that seriously like we need like you need athletes to kind of be beacons of like light and like like people are looking up to them and if this is kind of what you're going to present to people i just i can't i can't agree with that i hope he never touches an nba court again yeah from what we've seen on nba twitter at least the fans are pretty much Mm -hmm. saying what we're saying condemning him for what he did Someone, someone from that within that NBA circle should really step up. I mean, I'm, 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 I don't think I've seen anyone defending him either. Which I mean, how, how can you even defend? That? Yeah, which yeah. I'm thankful for. But again, like neutrality isn't enough in situations like these, right? Mm-hmm. Like you need to, you need to protect, protect the women and children in the community, if you're going to be a voice within the community. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to say on the topic? Sorry, sorry, Mike. I mean, just, just staying silent about it, you know, actually helps. I mean, not necessarily helps mm-hmm. Bridget, but, you know, sort of like not, not taking a side, but it shows where they're, they're not very supportive of the women that are getting involved in this situation. Yeah, it, it's, it sets a really poor precedent, and it's one that, you know, we've seen other sports leagues take in the past, and it's one that I hope my favorite sports league, the NBA, again, I think probably, not probably, but most definitely the most progressive of the major sports worldwide. Um, it's something that you hope that, you know, they they do something about. Uh, I also hope that Miles Bridges gets the help that this guy clearly freaking needs. That's about it. Anything else you guys want to say? Yeah, we can move on. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough topic to really touch on. Uh, it's hard to move on from something like that as well, but you know, we've got a whole show ahead of us, so we're going to try to push through. It's a tough situation, but there's other things to talk about for the time being. So I guess while we're talking about scumbags um, that should be out of the league, let's talk about Robert Sarver. 
for a second, owner of the Phoenix Suns. So Goran Dragic, formerly a point guard for the Suns and now a taboo name here in Toronto. Uh, he had an interview for a Slovenian media outlet, I believe, in which he said that while playing for the Suns, Sarver told him in a one-on-one conversation that he was happy he didn't get the All-Star nod because, quote, he would have had to pay him the extra $1 million. Uh, ESPN in late 2021 obviously released an article detailing accounts of 70-plus current and former Suns employees, talking about how Sarver has continually created a toxic work environment, whether it be accusations of racism, sexism, or just blatant disrespect for employees. His name hasn't really had a, let's say, glowing reputation for some time now. Do you think that accounts like Dragic's are par for the course at this point? And like, how big of a role do you think that Sarver had in creating the, I guess, bad locker room vibes that seem to have permeated conversations surrounding the Suns since their loss to the Dallas Mavericks? I think Robert Sarver has like all these, the accusations that have popped up since last year. It's, it's not a new thing because like he's been around for almost like two decades now, if not longer. And there's a famous Raja Bell conversation about uh, Robert Sauer and his extension request. This was back in 2007. So Raja Bell was, for those who don't know, was a, a crucial role player on the Steve Nash Suns. He was one of the best 3 and D guys at that time. And... In 2007, he had this conversation with Robert Sarver where Robert Sarver asked him, like, this is what he said. Do you deserve an extension? Yes. Am I going to give you an extension? No. Do you want to know why? Because I don't have to. Yeah. I don't know how you can say stuff like that to guys who literally build your team up. And then later, the Dragic conversation, like he was one of their best players at that time. I don't know how you get away with doing that and then the employees' mental health abuse and all of that. I don't know how the NBA's investigation so far has not yielded to anything successful or any... Like, they haven't found anything yet. Like, the NBA has got rid of Donald Sterling before. Like, do they need accusations to be that bad for them to take action? I mean, the accusations have been so ugly already. I mean, like, there's been so many accounts of blatant sexism within the workplace. And again, like, I I think it's showing, like, a clear prioritization for the NBA. Like, obviously, investigations do take some time. It is, I mean, it, it took them a while to get rid of Sterling, too, right? Like, this isn't just something that happens overnight. But these accusations have been out since, what, December, late, late November? Um, I think it's about time that the NBA really does do something about this owner who has like a clear disregard for anybody that works under him, for his players who essentially earn him his money, for the stadium staff that obviously wouldn't be, he wouldn't be able to operate a business without them. It's just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous to see this sort of behavior and I think it only confirms just the amount of disdain um or like just the separation that there is between a nba owner and an nba player yeah i I think it's safe to assume that sarver has definitely had one of the bigger roles in creating that toxic environment you know in phoenix and it's it's honestly a crazy story you know Dragic has been pretty vocal pretty honest about how he feels and we know that because you know he's made a lot of comments about you know other teams before like you know the raptors he said toronto isn't his 
preferred destination. He has higher ambitions or whatever. So Raptors fans ended up hating him because of that. In Brooklyn, he just talked about how, you know, playing with KD and Kyrie, he said it was like difficult because the focus was on the team and not or it was on it was uh, on the individual more, stats. more on the individual players and performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with things like that, you know, Dragic is pretty open about it. Um, so yeah, honestly, I you, you can't you can't blame him for how he felt. I mean, he was so close to being an all-star that year. He had a great season. He definitely deserved to be an all-star, you could say. And if your owner doesn't support you and you're playing for that organization, you're playing for that team, I don't know. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and Aaron's touched on the seven seconds or less team. I mean, this has been happening from the start since he became an owner in 2004. If, if you guys didn't know, I was a Suns fan growing up. Loved the Steve Nash era. This guy's been uh, Canadian since, since day one. Of course, man. <laughs> been eyeing this, this country ever since. Anyway, uh, yeah. They, they, they made the conference finals Nash's first year, and they had a guy named Joe Johnson who averaged 17 points per game during that season. He was the third leading scorer. Shot 47.8% from three that year. And what did Robert Sarver do when he became a restricted free agent? He he pretty much lowballed him with his offers, you know, which apparently led to you know Johnson asking the Suns not to match Atlanta's offer for him. So he he's just doing them dirty yeah. from the start. So imagine if Johnson was uh, with that team during that era, man. The Suns, most especially Steve Nash, could have had at least one or two rings already. If only, man. So now you look at like this current situation with DeAndre Ayton. I think that it was pretty obvious as to why potentially the Suns didn't end up paying Aiton last offseason, not extending them to a rookie max extension. A lot of people speculated that it had something to do with Robert Sarber, who clearly has a penchant for not exactly treating his players to, I guess, what they deserve. Do you think that Sarver's Sarver's like impact here like do you think that that's really what caused DeAndre Ayton's kind of rift within the organization or does it come down more to the role that he was played in um other extenuating circumstances other than just the owner whether it be his issues with coach Monty CP3 like do you think that Robert Sarver had a bigger role to play in this whole ordeal than maybe other members of the Phoenix Suns organization? I think that's hard to tell because like, we, we don't know what exactly is going on in the background, but I'm sure it will be part of it because this guy let Aiton go all the way to Indiana, sign the offer, think he's getting a new chance, and then like immediately they just match it just so they could spend a bit less than they could have otherwise like it obviously doesn't help to not have the best role on the team when it comes to being a scoring option but having a shitty owner only makes it worse yeah i think the track record speaks for itself so i think he really did have something to do with this you know he he maybe just wanted to save that extra year i sincerely doubt he i mean considering again who he is it seems like he just didn't want to really go into the tax into the uh, luxury tax and not have to worry about paying someone who he doesn't necessarily trust his franchise with. Like, I think that obviously as an owner, you have to pay a guy like Devin Booker. I think he's the main attraction when it comes to the Phoenix Suns, but he probably saw Aiton as someone who might not be worth that max deal. Uh, Whether or not that actually permeated into a toxic culture in the locker rooms, well, we don't know that. It has been a very messy situation. I think that, I don't know, it's just been really messy with the Suns. It doesn't feel like they're necessarily in the mindset to be 
Like obviously they should be contending this year, but it doesn't feel like something that is civil necessarily. And I think that without a civil locker room, without like a locker room that really gets along, I don't I don't know how you win a championship. I'm not like the biggest basketball historian, I guess, but I can't really think of a time where a team won a championship without at least being amicable within the locker room, without actually at least having a decent enough relationship between coach and players and GM and coach and GM and owner, all that, you know, it just feels like from the top down, there is separation in goals, in beliefs, in the way that players are viewed. So I don't I, I don't think that that's necessarily sustainable culture that will produce a championship in Phoenix. What do you guys think? I mean, I mean we almost saw it in the 2020, 2020 season. Um, I never really... At that during that time and during their playoff run, them being in the finals, I never really thought about like the internal issues that they might have had going in, and it never really came up either. And among like among the media, besides like DeAndre Ayton and stuff, and how he could play a bigger role and all that. But I mean, they were close to winning that championship. They were up two zero on the Bucks in the finals. Yeah, it's just something I never really thought about again until obviously this past season yeah i think that the eight and situation just pretty much magnified everything that's going on yeah it's it's messy um while we're actually talking about dragic i know we kind of got past that but dragic made comments about luka and uh jokic they're pretty funny what wait what did he say again he said that basically the success of like you know fellow europeans like jokic and Doncic bothers americans i think the full quote is right here it says his Jokic's IQ is such that he's messing with them there. Americans are pushing their way forward through marketing, and that's all normal. But when you put everything on the floor, it's a different story. Jokic is not fast. He doesn't jump, and that gets up their noses. How can a man play like this? NBA players are all in good shape. You need to have 6% body fat. You need to jump. And I think it gets on their nerves. How can Jokic and Luka play like this? This guy, this guy's just saying anything he wants nowadays, eh? Yeah, Holy... says a lot of shit. Yo, literally, ever since ever since he left Miami, he's just been on a press tour of just speaking. Yeah, but the thing is, Miami loves him. Miami yeah. loves the guy. Yo, yo, tell me that's not heat culture to, to a T, though. Like, of course <laughs> Miami loves him, man. Miami's full of guys like this guy. <laughs> just absolute menaces yeah. to society. Guys that I don't want on my team, but I'd love if they're on my team. Uh, except when Goran Dragic was on my team. What? I'm surprised Aaron's not on Miami fan. Yeah, eh? <laughs> All the worst people. I know Aaron would fit right in. No, no, no. Honestly, honestly. Lakers fans are. Tell me. No, no, no. Like, t- tell me there isn't more of a Lakers fan <laughs> archetype than Aaron Matthew. Like, this guy's the penultimate, like, the, the prototypical Lakers fan right there. Look at him. Unreal. <laughs> I'm not deluded on social media, though. I keep it. Yeah. keeps it real yeah we all do bro we all do we, tr- we it's funny um okay so while we're actually talking about the lakers uh let's let's bring up russell westbrook for the like 30th, oh, for the 30th time like ever uh like in the in probably like the last two weeks why can't we stop talking about this guy man so russ recently fired his long time agent thad yo yo how do you pronounce it fouché fouchure i'm assuming it's fouché fouché let's go with fouché because it's like boucher i guess yeah so he he fired his longtime agent citing differences about the star's future what did you guys think about his quote with uh when he spoke with Woj later that week it was pretty insane the russ fan is depressed as you say it 
<laughs> How does a Lakers fan feel though? No, I don't care. This is this has been happening for the last year now. I they have these weird press conferences. They have these weird team huddles, team phone calls. It's got to this now where he split with his agent. I think his agent was okay. Uh, was uh, sorry, his agent didn't want him to be traded, but I think Russ is okay with it, and I think that was one of their biggest differences. I for for once, I think Russ made a smart choice. He knows he'd rather be traded. Better off for him to be traded because off to be traded. Well, I, you know, I think you're the first person I hear that says that Russ made the right choice in this whole situation. I think that like getting publicly blasted. I don't um, think he made the right choice. Yeah. I mean, this is his agent ever since he got drafted, basically. Yeah. Like, I don't... I, this guy negotiated one of the worst contracts in NBA history for you. Like, yeah, he got you that extension for a bum player. Okay, like... Yo, made, whoa, whoa, relax. <laughs> yo, I'll say it again, man. I'll say it again. Uh, he managed... He managed... You know exactly what I'm saying. He managed oh, to get that extension. How are, you gonna, how are you gonna fire a guy that manages to build you up the but way that like no one else fire. does, man. I'd 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 marry someone. It might like have been that. A, it might have been a mutual disagreement. Yeah, I, I mean, it clearly was a mutual disagreement, but like, I don't know. It's like marriage. Like you you work through it. Like if I think like the only person that props me up like that much is is Aaron Matthews. So it's like if we had a disagreement, I think that we'd we'd work through it because that's just the smartest way. Like especially a disagreement about my future. You know, I think that we figure it out together because I can't I can't have someone that you know, loves me through all my faults. Like, uh, I can't, I can't have someone like that leave me. Um, what's going on? Yo, that's, 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 that's just, cute. that's just, that's, yo, yeah. me and, me and Aaron are just like, uh, like that's Rich that's Paul and, Rich Paul and LeBron James. I think that, I think that that's what they should strive to be. More like Rich Paul and LeBron. You know, I'm, I'm honestly so tired of the Westbrook Lakers saga though. We're like, I don't know how, but we're somehow back to square one. Where at this point, the big three are, you know, recommitting to each other. It's cute. Or whatever. It's cute. Yeah, yeah. Like what they they, they hopped on a phone. They hopped on a phone call and like fast. I, I read that and again. I couldn't breathe my eyes. Oh, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I just I just don't know. I, I just want Russ to, to be out of there and have another opportunity with another team. I don't think what do you mean opportunity? I'm not delusional. I'm not I don't think he's winning a championship ever in his career. Like, yeah, he's he's regressed. And I don't think he's willing to ever accept a lesser role. I've I've pretty much accepted that. You know his his ego, his pride is is still there. And I was I used to be mad at Melo for that back when he was in the Thunder. But like Russ is doing the same shit, and it's it's honestly pretty annoying. Yeah, but then then Melo learned how to accept the win a championship. But he's I don't think he's willing to accept that lesser role. And I honestly also think that the Braun and Russ fit it just is never gonna work. Like Russ needs the ball in his hands to succeed. He's one of the best floor raisers in league history that we've ever witnessed. But he's just not at that point in his career anymore. Yeah, but the point is that, like, you change your game from just the guy that well, needs that, the ball constantly funny? in his hands. I said floor razor. For a bum team, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's literally my point. But why so, can't you change that? Why can't you become, like, a better cutter? Why can't you just become someone that doesn't need He has the talent to do that. That's what frustrates me the yeah, most. Yeah, that's, but that's ridiculous. I, like, why can't... Like, he should be able to change something like that. Like, that's why he's making, like, a huge mistake yeah. here. I think that... Why would talent. you not... Why would you not I mean, stay on a team like the Lakers where you actually have superstars with you? Like... Exactly. That's why I'm saying we're back... We're back to square one because, you know, before he was... Before he moved there and there were, like, 
we already knew he was going to go to the Lakers with LeBron and AD. They were basically talking about how they, how Rush is going to play a lesser role, how he's going to fit in, be the third option. Through the whole first season that they had together, they never did that. Russ never did that. And now they apparently they're talking about that same thing again. Okay, like, I have to... Y'all got to wake up. Like, it's not happening. I, I have two interesting stats about this. So... In the first, in the second game of the season, oh, Westbrook set oh, eight boy. screens for LeBron, and after that, he didn't set two screens until March of late season. Is that is that the Zach Lowe quote? Yes, oh, it, is, man. it is. That's so ro- that's so dirty. It's so dirty. Like, give me a break, man. It's not Vogel's fault. Like, even if Darvin Ham institutes a screen like institutes a solid scheme this year like it's clear that Russ doesn't want to follow this guy's schemes like what a mess man not going to i don't think he is i just just go to another team do something else get your money get your stats get, get your wet minimum is, is he is he gonna be on another team though because i feel I like don't know. He, i don't know anything i feel like he's gonna be on that mellow path you know no but no one team no no one team yeah. Oh come on, come on! No, no, like, on the mellow path, though. I think that I know a couple yeah. of teams that would love to invest in his talent. Which ones? Yeah, with the Lakers though. There's, there's a, like the, the, the Guangdong. Oh. Bro, shut up! <laughs> shut up! I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Does he not want to play backup to Fred VanVleet? How is Aaron gonna get? What do you mean backup to Fred VanVleet? Acting like Delano Banton ain't a member of the Toronto Raptors, bro. No. Every yo, Delano Benton turns it over just as much as Russ, but at least knows how to fucking play with a team. Oh, sorry, I just swore. Can we bleep that? Let's make sure no. we bleep that in post prod. Thank you. We're not gonna tell anymore. <laughs> yo, wait, wait, Aaron, Aaron, I feel bad. You said you had another stat other than the uh, the screening stat. Oh yeah. So the the other stat is so we've seen how like he's. So trigger happy when it comes to pull up threes or pull up jump shots, which he sucks at. But when it comes to corner threes, he's actually shooting forty four percent on corner threes. So if he act just worked on doing that more, helping the team out in that way, he could actually be a winning player. But that's too much for him, I guess. That's what I'm saying. He could be. He still could be a winning player. He still has talent for that, but he's just not gonna do it. I don't think he'll do it. Yeah, he doesn't want to stand in the corner, eh? No, he doesn't. Damn, they could use a spot-up shooter. Austin Reeves is not that guy. Honestly, though, one of the biggest problems the Lakers had last year was injuries. I mean, you said Anthony... I mean, Anthony Davis, after their season, said that injuries got in the way of the Lakers' potential. You know, they had more starting lineups than wins. And then LeBron also said that he played with his high school teammates more than Russ and AD. So to an extent, they're right in that injuries were one of the biggest problems the Lakers had to go through because the big three only played 21 games together in the entire season. What was the win-loss with those oh, three? It was still bad. It was still bad. But yeah, they never okay. got to get... So it doesn't matter because they stink anyways. No, but I'm just saying... they're they, all washed. They I w- I'm not going to say they would have been contenders because they absolutely would not have been. No chance in hell. But, you know, they wouldn't have been a dumpster fire like they were last year. Okay. In this deep west, where do you think they finish? Probably sixth, seventh. What? What? That's too high, man. Oh, give me a break. Okay, okay. You know what? We got to take a break really quick. I need. Yo, yo, we okay? No way, man. Come on, six or seven. Give me a break here, bro. If they had a bad record with 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 the with the big three, like, I don't think it makes a difference. Yeah, but but, we don't know what it would have been like. Oh my god. 
delusional Lakers fans. Insanity. Okay. All right. We got to take a break really quick. But when we come back, we're going to talk about another member of the OKC Big Three, just because it's all people ever talk about. And we'll we'll touch on Diego's point a little bit more. We'll also get into some WNBA action. See you guys in a bit. All right, and we're back with the positionless pod. Uh, right before that break, Diego said something pretty outlandish uh, <laughs> that I need to uh, get a little bit more of an explanation on now that we're back and recording. It's barely an explanation. No, bro. I need an explanation. A That's a crazy thing if. to say. It's That's a, a crazy thing if. to say. Like, like there's other teams that are getting some injured players back, but you chose to go with the Lakers climbing up the ranks, which is a crazy. Game. A healthy Anthony Davis. Bro, that's an oxymoron. That doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. That doesn't yeah, exist. That I'm doesn't saying exist. This is, this is in a world where let's say Anthony so Davis. So this is in a world where players. the Lakers have like two playable guys and then a bunch of bombs. Yeah. Who's... Is he a roster man? What's, at least it's younger bombs now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least it's Juan Toscano-Anderson <laughs> who's had like two good NBA games champion by the way yeah nba champion at least they have a winning win players with a winning pedigree now they got what thomas bryant sharif o'neal bro like what are we talking about here there's no depth thomas got, so goaded bro they have they have the best one two potentially in the nba but bro like their three three through like 14 is probably worse than most college teams oh that's okay <laughs> see i i, I know you can't stand the Lakers, and that's he's just getting worse now with the outlandish stakes. <laughs> Yo, I'm telling you though. Yo, who wins? Who wins? The a Lakers? World, a world where a healthy LeBron, healthy Russ, healthy AD play 82 games together. That's a how, no, how are they that, not? That's a fantasy world, man. I'm how are just they saying, not at least in the playoffs. I'm just saying that. Okay, look. If how you are they put, not at least in the playoffs? In this in this West. Yeah, a healthy, a healthy then, LeBron yeah. and AD. Yeah, sure, but that doesn't exist. Yeah, well, like I can't, I can't give them a sixth seed if they're just scenario. bombs. I'm not saying it, it happened or it's ever gonna happen. Okay, well, fine. I'm just I saying that, like, if you saying. put, if you put the Lakers three through fourteen against the Creighton Blue Jays, who wins? <laughs> I think Creighton does. I think that our, I think that Ryan Nemhard's a better, a better NBA player right now potentially than Russell Westbrook. Toronto Blue Jays would beat the t- those three to fourteen. One hundred percent, bro. Who's stopping Alejandro Kirk? Huh? Who? Nobody, bro. Yo, no one, oh, no man, one, yeah. no one's taking him on in the post, bro. That's he's built different. He's built absolutely different. He's, he's probably faster than any other players, bro. I mean, come on, more power, stronger. Dude's like a bowling ball. What are you gonna do? Come on. You call him a bowling ball. Yeah, yeah, he's he, a bowling he's... ball. We need Jack for that guy. Yeah. yeah. A hundred percent. No, but instead you got Sharif though. Don't worry about it. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm, I feel bad just railing on Aaron's squad this way, but that's just, that's just how it goes when you make the decision to like the Lakers. Harden, James Harden has been in the news lately as well. He recently signed a two year, $68 million contract extension with the Philadelphia 76ers. How do we feel about that contract? Yeah, I love to see it. You know, he's he's an actual star with some self-awareness. You know, we all want to see. We love to see. And he's honest about it. Like, you know that because of that, he really wants to win a championship. And he's all in with the Sixers, Joel Embiid, and, you know, Daryl Morey. We all know how great a relationship he has with Daryl Morey. Apparently, you know, they talked about it. And Harden wants the team to sign and obtain players that would help the Sixers 
take that next step in order for them to compete among the best teams in the league for a title. And, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that Harden has come to a realization that he's not that guy anymore. He's regressed. He's slower. He lost that quick step of his that made him such an unstoppable scorer. And for the last two seasons, like with the Nets and the last season with, the, with Philly, um, we haven't consistently seen the Harden that makes him one of the greatest scorers that we've seen in the in NBA history, basically. So it's it's great, great for him, honestly. Happy for him that he was able to take this pay cut and help the Sixers, you know, contend for a little more, a little more time. Yeah, and if if you guys know me, I'm not the most particularly fond of the guy, but I I respect it. You know, as Diego said, you know his play style. Uh, I mean, he's gotten a lot slower over these past years, but you, know, you got to give respect when it's due. At least he's self-aware that his abilities are dwindling at this point of his career. He's not the number one guy, and they're going to need more pieces for the Sixers to contend. So, you know, kudos to him for making that move. Yeah. Is he the most self-aware <laughs> member of the OKC Big Three? Yeah. <laughs> After this, yeah. Yeah, easily. I, I don't think it's. I don't think there's there's a conversation even. Yeah, I don't think it's much of a competition <laughs> when the other guys are Russ and KD, who are as deluded as it gets. Okay, can we play? Can we play a quick game? Oh. Who who is? Let's 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 rank them from most dramatic to least dramatic. Who's the most dramatic of the OKC Big Three? Kevin. Kevin, the glorified bus rider. Oh come Kevin on, man! Wait, wait. On, when you say dramatic. glorified he's bus rider, you could be you could be talking about any of the big three, bro. <laughs> I'll be honest with you; all three of them are bus riders. So, like, you're gonna have to elaborate on which one you mean um, in this situation. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Durant. You think Ke- Kevin Durant's rider. the most dramatic I of the big hate three? These bus rider allegations. So, <laughs> well, I'm tired of this. Well, let me know when they get a bus into the end zone. But yeah, so so. Okay, so you think so? Katie's Katie's the most dramatic, even most though, dramatic. even though, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess all three of them have really just been in every single headline this off season, eh? Bro, all three of them are dramatic. Okay, it's, okay, but if you had to rank them, Diego, you're the yeah, OKC Kevin fan. Kevin Wayne, Kevin okay. Wayne is first. Kevin, and then who's number two? Uh, James. James, even though he's actually taken uh, a pay cut here because he's even yeah, but, self-aware. Bro, have, do you not remember the shit that he was doing before, like with the Rockets? Bro, yo, give me one second. Give me one second. Thank you, man. Have a good night. All right, sorry. I hope you have a good night too. Oh, it'd be better if you were here. <laughs> I wish I was. Known. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. No. Okay. This is hard in the Rockets. Um, okay. Wait, wait. Wait. Pause for one second, just so we can f- figure out where to pick it back up. So you're talking about Harden and the Rockets? Yeah. No, like the guy, the guy fake being extra fat, just just so he could get out the team, like right after the season with Russ in Houston. Like, we don't even know what really went down there, to be honest. She was being pretty extra about that whole situation. Forced his way to Brooklyn because he, he wanted to be in either Brooklyn or Philly at that point. But, you know, he ended up going to Brooklyn with Katie and Kyrie. And then in Brooklyn, he forced his way out too, which I don't blame him for. But the way he did it, the way he handled the situations in Houston and in Brooklyn, just overly dramatic. So I don't so- think the Brooklyn situation, he was dramatic about it. Like, if you, got, if you play with a guy who refuses who's actively trying to not win and or, and be satisfied with like half the games or lesser why would you want to play on a team like that 
and it's not like, like that's why that's why I can't really blame him to be honest. Like with the whole situation, Kyrie, I I completely understand if you want to get the hell out of it. Yeah, man, I, I don't I don't think he knew what he was getting into when he when he ended up with Brooklyn in the first place. And then there's, there's a whole lot of other shit going on, like a whole lot of other internal issues going on in Brooklyn that kind of led to why KD and Kyrie. I mean, KD now want now wants out. Yeah, they've just seemingly been in bad situations ever since leaving the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, the best situation obviously was KD when he was on the Warriors. I think that kind of cemented him as the best of the big three. But yeah, I guess it doesn't preclude them from drama. And then, so you would say that Russ is the least dramatic of the three, despite like all the things that have gone on with the Lakers in the last year, with the whole Westbrook situation. Really? Even though like at the Drew League, which he was at, like he just decided to like not even talk to LeBron? No, like he's, he's dramatic. Yeah, but I wouldn't say he's like overly dramatic or anything. Like he's not super extra like the other two. Okay. Fair enough. I, I actually agree with Diego on his take because you know I think this is this is really the first time we're seeing Russ you know being in the headlines and I and the thing I think well the reason why he's being extra is because of all the shit that he's getting from the media because you know <laughs> after after the season he just had with Lakers this is like the worst he's ever gotten in his career yeah I, I think every, every other situation he's been in with the Wizards with the Rockets obviously the Thunder I think those were pretty decent, to say the least, splits between the three. This Lakers one is like the only toxic. Yeah, it's the only time we've ever seen him in this toxic of an environment, and he's actually done something about it. Which is what fire his agent? I don't know. I feel like that only causes more of a rift, don't you think? Yeah, yeah so I don't know. I don't know why he fired. Okay, we're gonna move on. That's all the news that we really wanted to touch on today. I know we said it was a slow news week, but we still managed to get in a lot of conversations surrounding the news so let's talk about summer league so summer league has come to a close the last game was or last games were on sunday the portland trailblazers have officially been crowned the summer league champs crazy that some of these dudes um who do you think is going to make the roster what like trendon watford maybe brandon williams i feel like most of the guys on that on that portland summer team probably aren't going to make the roster uh but how do you think the dynamic huh Trend and Watford probably. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think Trend Trend and Watford will make it. Keon Ellis. Um. So, what do you think the locker room dynamic is going to be like when they show their rings to Dame? Oh, <laughs> Dame couldn't believe when he when they. No, right. they the crazy part is Dame found out uh, about Blazers winning the Summer League Championship on IG Live when no he was on IG Live with like tr- with Trend and Watford, and he was with Anthony Simons. Wait, what do you <laughs> so say? Funny. What do you say? How do you feel about it? Yo, I didn't yo, see yo, that. Uh, I didn't see that. I don't, I don't remember yo, how he yo, they won it. <laughs> yeah, he was very yeah, That's how he found out. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> he wanted to request a trade to their summer league team after that. Game had to be punching there. Yeah, do you think he should, do you think he should suit up for the, uh, for the Portland Trailblazers summer league squad next year? He yeah, should. he he wants to play That's with Kyle Alexander. So who doesn't? I think he... <laughs> who doesn't want to play with Scarborough <laughs> Shooting Stars Kyle. legend Kyle Alexander? That's a CBL legend right there. Oh, absolutely! That's a Canadian <laughs> national CBL, team legend CBL, too. CBL legend. We also have Lindell Wigginson, who was summer league second team. Yo, played okay. for the Hamilton Honey Badgers back in 2021. Made the jump from the CBL to the NBA by signing with the Bucks. Bro, Just... are you reading his Wikipedia page? Last January. Are you no, reading this Wikipedia no, page, I, man? I, I Don't lie this. to me right now. Don't lie to me right now. I can I see the reflection on... in your glasses. No, I did research on him back back when we did our presentation 
world class. Yeah, no, Lindo Wigington's great, bro. My what? Where is he from? Nova Scotia. That's my guy. So hey. speaking of the NBA Summer League first team and second team, um, would you guys make any changes to the first and second team? Like, is there any names that you think were um, missed through through like in in the selections? Um, probably Cole Swidler, who might have been snubbed. He had six double-digit scoring performances in eight games. You know, he showed that he could really shoot the ball. Um, he averaged 14 points, 40 rebounds per game, shot 52% from the field, and, you know, crazy 52.8% from beyond the arc during Summer League. So, you know, he's just a great, very efficient sharpshooter. I don't think he was snubbed because he still averaged, like, 13 points per game. I don't think that was enough to get him on the summer league teams. Not, but like off the top of my head, he was the first one. Yeah. But mind. like this is not I'm not saying he shouldn't be there, but like Cam Thomas stat padded his way onto the first team, averaging <laughs> over twenty attempts. Like this is back to back Cam Thomas slander from Aaron. Oh no, him. keep slandering him, bro. Keep slandering <laughs> him. I don't like his attitude. Bro. I don't like how many free throws he takes. Keep it going. Keep it going. This guy learned from the worst possible role models out there and this is the only accolade he'll ever win on an NBA level. Yeah. But like, wow. just coming back to the first and second teams, I'm I'm happy to see Quentin Grimes out there. Like when he was drafted by New York, I mean I I was already giving up on what a career he could have because New York hasn't developed any rookie. I mean R.J. Barrett has been doing decent, but they've still not been the best developmental spot, especially with. Tom Thibodeau, yeah, but to see him place. doing well in summer league is obviously a, a good sign. I hope he gets more minutes now, now that he's showing some promise. Yeah. My my theory with Quentin Grimes is that, um, so it's weird to see, like you said, a Knicks young player doing well. Uh, my thought is that in a couple of weeks, he'll be a member of the Utah Jazz. So uh, he's already preparing for that sort of outcome, <laughs> already doing well as a young player, ready, that, ready, ready to be not playing in New York anymore. Uh, yeah, Quentin Grimes had a great summer league. Who else was I looking at? Be- Benedict Matherin was one of the only other rookies to be selected to a first or second team. I think it was only Terry Eason, Keegan Murray, Benedict Matherin, if I'm not mistaken, that were rookies selected to the all-summer league team. LeBron yeah. James was never selected to a all-summer league team. So do you think that Benedict Matherin is better than LeBron? Yeah. I think so too. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we had to wait until he got the summer league accolade to say that. I think it was established the day he was drafted. Of course. He's already better. Yeah. He's more athletic. LeBron LeBron made it never made it to the uh Elite Eight in the NCAA March Madness tournament. So big ups to him. Yeah. Some he other cool stand wait, what's that? He clears LeBron pretty easily. Oh, hundred percent. Conversation. And then uh Sandro Mamou 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 Kilashvili. I only I only wanted to mention him because I think that I'm like half decent. Like Mamu Mamu Kelashvili. I think it's I think it's Mamu Kelashvili. Mamu Kelashvili. I think we're already better than like half the other guys that are podcasting right now because I don't think anybody got his name. Oh, they can't pronounce his name like that. Yeah. Yo, we're out here. We're foreign. It's 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 because we're all we're all international. Yeah, everyone just calls him Mamu. Some respect on his name. Yeah, please. That's the second Stay longest name, name in the NBA ever. He deserves not hyphenated. League first team. He deserves to have his name said properly. Yeah, the Bucks drafted him only because he has a long name, and they've had success with players with long names. <laughs> Wait, like who? Oh, like Thanasis and Terakumpo. Yeah, Thanasis and Oh, that guy's cash money. 
so good. Greatest cheerleader of all time. <laughs> my my favorite nep- nepotism baby right there. No, that's get, Not, get how how do you say Dame's cousin? What's his name again? Dame's cousin. Kelgen Blevins. Excuse me. I'm supposed like I'm supposed to believe that's a oh. real player. Wait, sorry, <laughs> who? Who? Yo. <laughs> Wait, y'all don't know about him. He's. No, the, I, he, I actually have no idea who he is. He's on like, the Portland he team because he's Dame's cousin. I don't believe it. Wait. Sorry, say his name one more time. Kelgen Kelgen Blevins. Kelgen Blevins. Venerated player. Bro, no way. I don't believe it. What? Did this guy sneak into your fantasy teams last year? That's crazy. Bro, I look up okay, Kelgen. I've never heard the name Kelgen in my life. That's a crazy name. K Blevs 02. This guy There's doesn't even have nothing a about bro. him that so, did he get any minutes last year? Yeah, man. He got uh eleven minutes a game. Wow. Solid. And I never bro, that's wow. kind of that's that kind of makes me feel worse about him, considering who the Blazers were putting on the court last year. This guy still only managed to get eleven minutes. You must really suck. He, if you only manage to get 11 he, minutes on a team that's starting like CJ Allaby or something, or CJ Allaby. CJ Allaby deserves respect after he beat LeBron James and the Lakers. No, I don't think anybody deserves respect for something like that. Definitely not. So, but yeah, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. So, yeah, um, let's talk about uh, Keegan Murray, I guess. So, he was voted what? Summer League MVP, or he is the Summer League MVP. Where do you guys think that he ranks? among other summer league mvps he's so good bro I, I don't know exactly where he ranks but like the most notable names you have from the summer league mvp list are probably blake griffin john wall and damian lillard right? not jared bayless probably jared bayless to raptors legend Bucks but yeah Bucks. i saw this stat where keegan murray is only just behind john wall when it comes to yeah rookies points in per points per game right? yeah at summer league and that's like the rest the other players on the list were John Wall, Blake Griffin, Cade Cunningham. And it's obviously a good sign that he's among those guys right now. He's shown promise and it all depends on how the King system fits him or like how he fits in that system. And they have a new coach now. They have a coach with a championship pedigree. Yeah. I think that that's what they were... That's what they needed. Yeah. Bring the team back to the playoffs. Do you think do you but think yeah, Sacramento I'm, I'm can make the playoffs this year? Is that a doubt? <laughs> no, but seriously, seriously though. Do you guys think that Sacramento can make the playoffs this year? I no? think like their ceiling is the eleventh seed. Wow. Maybe 10th. 10th seed. Play-in, You're saying maybe. they're not even a play in tournament. I think that that's one of the that's I think that's no, a they, really they, solid they starting five, man. They could be tenth seed. Come on, get well, they, they got Sabonis and you know Fox. They got they got some some other guys too like Herder like yeah. bro they're gonna have what do you mean why are you laughing at Red Velvet bro he's gonna be coming off the bench you you either put him or Malik Monk at the two right you got Harrison Barnes starting at the three Keegan Murray at the four Domas at the five That's and then nice. yeah Fox nice. Fox and Monk I guess in your starting guard spots I'll if give them a more, nine or ten speed best at best yeah and if you need like a more defensive like a more defensive set you get Davion out there. You put him with De'Aaron Fox. Um, you put R- Harrison Barnes, who's like a solid long player. Keegan Murray out there, and then I, I don't know. I, I think I think that could be something. I think that they've got yeah. enough depth, which a lot of teams in the West I think are struggling with. Um, I know that the West is only probably going to get a little bit harder to get through this year. Yeah, 
but I'm looking at like the teams that made the playoffs last year from the West, right? Or like one through ten. And I don't think the Jazz are going to be there next year. I don't think the Spurs are going to be there. So that opens up two new spots for, I guess, the Lakers or the Kings. Okay, yeah, I I forgot that the Spurs have also like lost their best player. So okay, then yes, I think a- anything below tenth would be an underachievement for the Kings. Then <clears throat> I think they I they have to be a playing team at least. And I I saw this like not so fun fact, obviously for Kings fans that. No active player in the league today has faced the Sacramento Kings in the playoffs. That's I mean, it, it just shows that the active players are scared of facing the Kings in the playoffs. And... Insane, bro. That's yeah. actually nuts. Yeah, it's it's hard to not retire after facing the Kings in the playoffs. I'd be terrified. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that stat has existed for the last three years, by the way, because the last player to face them was Dirk and Tony Parker. Both of them retired in 2019. So <laughs> Jesus. No. no way. No way. Wait, wait. Who's on who's on that last Kings team that made the playoffs? That was what, 06? Was that 06? Yeah. Was, uh, uh, I think it was Kevin Martin. Kings playoff. What a team, eh? What a squad. What a what a team. Unreal. Yeah, they made the playoffs in 06. They had they had Kevin Martin. They had Mike Bibby. They had Sharif Abdul Rahim. Oh, Miller, bro. Oh. Come Brad on now. Miller. That's a that's or, a that's Corliss a crazy Williamson. squad. That's a crazy squad right there. And yeah, then they lost to the Spurs. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, though, congrats to the Kings with Keegan Murray. Yeah, I think that he's already such a polished player and a phenomenal scorer. And you know what he showed in summer league, I think it will translate to the NBA as well. Yeah, yeah I and think what so I like too. about Sorry, what I like about him, like he's he's like super level headed guy. So yeah. he just knows how to play basketball. Like he has the smarts. And yeah. Of, I don't know. Maybe he he kind of has the smarts of guy like the guy they traded last season, Tyrese Halliburton. But you know, can he be the guy to bring them to the playoffs? I I hope so. I, I, Again, I don't, don't, don't want to jump the gun either, but I think he get he has a great chance to be up there amongst the uh, like the best of the summer league MVPs, like you know BG, John Wall, and Lillard. I mean, you know, he averaged twenty three and seven on fifty percent shooting. Yeah, forty percent from three. Super impressive stuff. Um, yeah, I think I just think he's NBA ready, and I'm really looking forward to see like what he does when the regular season starts. Yeah, his stats honestly do feel legit, right? Like it feels like there's yeah. a very clear role that he'll be playing at the next level, especially on a team like the Kings. It's it's I, I think they made the right choice. They chose a player that actually makes sense. It's I think the player that they needed to push them over the proverbial edge although it's not really like the edge that i think most most teams are vying for like i don't think this is the player that's going to give you a championship uh but he does feel like the type of player that can at least help you get to the playoffs and he's got a high floor i think we understand that his ceiling isn't the highest but i think it's kind of what the kings needed at this point in their forever rebuild I wanted to take a look at some early impressions of from the Summer League. So who do you guys think, after seeing them play in the Summer League, is going to be the Rookie of the Year? You'll, you'll, you'll know who I'm going to say already. Keegan Murray? I don't even have to say it. Jalen Williams, 34th pick in the draft? I'm not going to say it. Usman Jiang? Oh, has to be Usman Jiang. Oh, yeah, that's my guy. Hey, I wish he knew how to shoot. I think it's Jalen Williams. Yeah, yeah, of course. Has to be Jalen Williams. Yo, my Blasian brother right there. <laughs> Nah, bro. Chet's winning rookie of the year. No way, man. Chet, 
own win. Just just for Turn that defensive right. ability. Turn that's it. it. That's all you got. What? That's all you got. Like why? Why do you? Why do you? Why do you think? Why do you think Chet's gonna win Rookie of the Year, man? Come on now. Come on, man. I, I think he's too much of a project. Like, look, I love Chet. I think You're I'm one of the right, biggest yeah. I think I'm one of the biggest Chet truthers out there. I'm like very high on him. I've got a shit ton of like Chet Holmgren stock. But he doesn't feel like the type of player that's really gonna blow people away in the first in his first year of play, right? Yeah, no, I'm 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 just saying that. Oh, of course. Because I because I, I want him to win a few years. Yeah. I don't think he actually will. I, like I, if I'm honest, it is Keegan Murray. Yeah. That's my honest not like, Powell. Anyway. Will win the few years. Not, it's Powell. No, no, it's Powell okay. or, or Murray. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Because they're yeah, both NBA ready. Yeah. That's. Uh-huh. Yeah. Basically, and they're on teams where they get all the opportunity in the world to succeed in their first season. So they're gonna put up numbers in their respective teams. Yeah. I, I just you have to hope that it kind of leads to winning, though, right? Like, I think that's partially why Scotty Barnes won the award this past year. Although he wasn't obviously the primary option on the Raptors, he was like a third or fourth option most nights. He was like a clear cog towards the Raptors making it to the fifth seed in the East. I don't think that they would have made it nearly that far if they didn't get a guy like Scotty Barnes. And I I think the the winning very much does contribute to an award like this one, right? Like, I think Cade did obviously have the better stats, but Scotty Barnes helped his team win more games. And that should be given a degree of importance, even in a category like Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I think that's... That's fair because, like, I was, I still think Paolo has the best chance. I know he's the number one pick; it's the most obvious choice. But he's also, he's he's probably going to be the highest scoring option compared to the other rookies. I like Keegan Murray is still going to play with De'Aaron Fox. He's going to play with like two All Stars, two All Star caliber players. Like my sleeper pick is Benedict Matherin, but it also depends on if they if the Pacers trade Buddy Hield because if they do, I think. He might be my favorite for rookie of the year. He's already shown he can be a great scorer. I know they have two players in that position. They have Chris Duarte and Buddy Hield at the moment, but I think Benedict Matherin could be a solid pick for that. But then you know he's he's teammates with um Paolo's teammates with Ball Ball. Okay, all right. Uh, just to actually like give credence to what to what Diego's saying right now. I saw a post on IG. Essentially saying that the Orlando Magic are actually looking to start Bull Bull next year. This is per Jeff Weltman, apparently. I saw this on mock trades. I don't know the legitimacy of this, but he said that that the Magic are planning on starting Bull Bull at center next season. So that would make their starting lineup, according to this little IG page, obviously give this like no, pay this no heed. I don't think that this is legit. By any stretch of the imagination, I don't think we've seen Bol Bol be able to take a starting role on an NBA roster. But this would make their starting five: Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, or I mean Jalen Suggs or Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac if he's healthy, Paolo Boncaro, and Bol Bol. <laughs> Do you think that? <laughs> so, so this eliminates Franz Wagner from the occasion and eliminates Wendell Car- oh. Wendell Carter from the occasion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're forgetting about Mohammed. Bamba. I know. I, I'm no. not. I was about to get to Bamba, bro. No, I I love five, Bamba. Bro. They just paid Bamba this off season. There's no way they're not gonna play Bamba and they're starting five, <laughs> right? Like, there's no way they're starting Bull Bull. I'm just happy that he's on the match. Uh, no it's so fun. No way. That's an actual like report by some. Yeah. Go tell. Go tell Jeff Weltman that man. I don't. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna look uh, up really quick who uh, Jeff Weltman is because like yeah. genuinely I couldn't tell you if I tried. Um, I don't know about the legitimacy. Bowl ball starting. Bowl ball starting. Wait, you don't like it? Yo, know, Ball World is gonna have a field day on Twitter. I'm ready for it, man. I'm not, to be honest. There's no way he's, he's serious with that. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, bro. I mean, maybe maybe they're. Oh, dude, Jeff Weltman's the president of basketball operations for the Magic. <laughs> See, that has to be a fake one. Then no, there's no way, there's bro. No way. I don't believe what? it. Yo, yo. Did you just get sacked? I don't believe it, man. No, right. man. Come on. In 2020, he received one first place vote for uh, NBA Executive of the Year. I think that if you start Bull Bull, I don't know. You got my vote. You got my vote for Executive yo, of the Year. That's no question. going to win Rookie of the Year next to Bull Bull? Oh, Bull you think Bull Bull is going to win Rookie of the Year? You think he's like the new Ben Simmons? I think so. Oh, me too. Can't win rookie of the year next to Bobo. Of course, you're it's just gonna impossible. be. You're just in his Bobo's shadow the whole be time. The best player on the team, exactly. He's gonna oh, be course. under his shadow. Bro, he's Bobo's taking all of all of Boncaro's shots, man. No shot. Bobo's no way. Averaging thirty next year. Oh, one hundred percent, bro. Him and Jonathan Isaac, it's over. Oh, he's so good, bro. It's done. And then Mo Bamba's seven foot ten wingspan. I oh. cannot wait. What about Terrence Ross? Don't forget about my guy. What about him? Raptors legend. He's going to get Ross. traded. No, he's, he's getting traded, bro. Bucket. Relax. Relax. He's, he's going to drop 50 again for the second time in his career. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Legit. So if they trot out a lineup, let's say like they, they put all their long guys on the floor at once. Let's say they put Wendell Carde, Bull Bull, Paolo Boncaro, Franz Wagner, and then like, or I guess Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac, right? The five of them. What if they just line up at half court and hold hands? Is there a rule against that? Like, I think that they could stretch like the entirety <laughs> of the width of the court. Um, what do what do what could other teams do against that? Like, if they just held hands at, at half court? Nothing, bro. The opposing team can't do anything. Like, wallahi, they're finished. I think it's, it's GG. So I don't know. Jamal Mosley, uh, please listen to the positionless pod. We've got like a really good suggestion for you. Um, I think this is very legit. I think we have something here. Yeah. Okay, um, we're going to take another quick break, and when we get back from it, uh, we'll be talking some WNBA. See you guys in a bit. And we are back. So, um, obviously there wasn't, I mean... Apparently, there was a lot of news in the NBA that we had to cover, but more importantly, right now, we are in the midst of one of the sickest seasons of WNBA basketball, I think, that we've seen. The competition at the top is absolutely fierce. Earlier today, the Seattle Storm got taken down by the Chicago Sky with a score of 78-74. It was another classic Chicago Sky defensive game. They've I think seemed like the best defensive squad in the WNBA. Candace Parker is cementing her place as a, I think, I think she's going to go down as a two time defensive player of the year. After this year, she deserves consideration in the MVP talk, though her offensive numbers don't really compare to that of like maybe Asia Wilson's or Casey Plum's. I think that her defensive absolute like impact for the Chicago sky has just been unparalleled. They've been completely shutting down teams. They have the best record in the WNBA as of now. They managed to hold the Seattle Storm and Brianna Stewart uh, to another loss. 
And yeah, I mean, it's 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 been a great year for the WNBA. The Commissioner's Cup is set to take place in six days, so that's next Tuesday. And for those that don't know, the Commissioner's Cup is a regular season tournament, essentially, that takes place throughout regular season games. So there are specifically designated games, which count towards the standings in the Commissioner's Cup. The game will be between the Chicago Sky and the Las Vegas Aces, the top two teams in the league at the moment, who both won their Commissioner's Cup games. Um, or who both finished with records of 9-1 and one in those games. Absolutely dominant. I think those two teams have seemed like the teams to beat for the grand, the great majority of the year. So let's get into it. What do you guys think about that matchup, about the Las Vegas Aces going up against the Chicago Sky? What are we looking forward to? I think the Chicago Sky are the favorites for that. In my opinion, They, in their last game, they are beat the aces as well it was a i think it was a historic comeback they were down 28 points and they still won the game and for the aces they've also lost form since like the last month they've only won five out of their last 11 games and for a team that's the best team in the league that's not a good look they obviously like they had a shock loss to the atlanta dream yesterday yeah and like their defense Especially their perimeter defense collapsed in that game. And yeah, when it comes to like three-point percentage, the Chicago Sky are the second best team. So having a weak perimeter defense against a team like that only hurts them. So I, I think the Chicago Sky can come out as victors in that game. Yeah, I think that Chicago Sky especially have like some of the best damage from the outside in the league. I think that Courtney Vandersloot has only improved as a passer and a shooter this year. Uh, she, I mean, they managed to beat the Storm without without Courtney uh, in this most recent game. She's been out with a concussion. Like you said, they did lose to Atlanta yesterday. Ryan Howard dropped 24 on them, and uh, Tiffany Hayes dropped 31 on them. And most of their damage was done from deep. Ryan was 6 of 9, and Hayes was uh, 4 of 5. So they're absolutely getting rained on yesterday. But this really is a battle of offense versus defense. I think that we've known that the Aces haven't been the absolute best defensive team in the NBA or in the dub for the majority of this year. Uh, obviously, Asia Wilson in the middle has just been absolutely destructive, shutting people down with some emphatic blocks. I think she leads the league or is second or tied for second, tied for first in the league in blocks per game. But blocks aren't always the only indicative stat of a defensive like prowess right the sky have clearly just been the better defensive team um all around their perimeter defense is significantly better with vandersloot uh candace parker obviously has just been manning the middle uh incredibly well so yeah like this is a battle of offense versus defense what do you guys see prevailing um i mean i know that aaron said the sky i think should come into this as the favorite but what uh what do, what do the rest of you guys think I mean, I, I agree with that. I think it is probably going to be the sky. I mean, defensively, they've just been so consistent. And literally, just as Aaron said as well, um, offensively, they've also slowed down just a little bit. And yeah, at the end of the day, I think defense and how well they guard the aces is going to matter the most in this matchup. And the thing is, the sky also very capable of scoring at a high clip, especially from beyond the arc. So if it was a matchup between those two, between offense versus defense, I would probably pick defense. Yeah, and basketball is all about balance, right? So the sky, I think they're a little bit more balanced on both ends of the floor than the aces. You know, 
and Aaron, Aaron mentioned about um, the game last night about the dream. Uh, I mean, against the dream, Atlanta dream. Uh, they allowed him to shoot 15 of 24 from, from three. So you know, if, if Chicago is going to continue raining down from three as they do as the second best three-point shooting team in the league, that doesn't look good for you know Las Vegas' chances for this game. Yeah. I mean, my my whole thought on the matter is that, like, I mean, the Aces are just, I think, an unparalleled, unheralded good offense. I don't think that anybody's even close. I know Ali Quigley's a great guard defender, but, I mean, Kelsey Plum has just been absolutely out of this world right now. I think that she is third in MVP considerations for a reason, according to the most recent Vegas odds. She's had a huge renaissance in the past two years after getting drafted first overall in 2017, so, like... I mean, she just won her first, what, she made it to her first WNBA All-Star game and then ends up winning the All-Star game MVP. She's shooting 41% from deep on nearly eight attempts a game. She's been absolutely unstoppable. I don't, I know that we're like really propping up the Sky's defense right now, but when Plum gets going, I just don't know who's able to stop her on offense. I think that not only is she a great shooter from deep, but once she really starts cutting, once she starts really using that speed, that really made her such a great player at the college level especially. Good luck keeping up with her. I think that she's probably the fastest player in the dub. She's yeah. easily the best scorer in the dub. I don't know how you really hold that to like less than hold her to like less than 18 points a game. And the yeah. craziest part to me is that she's not even the player on the aces with the highest offensive rating, right? Like the rest of that team are hitting on offense as just as high a level as Kelsey Plum. Asia Wilson's been absolutely unstoppable. I actually looked it up the other day. So if you look at players that have played at least 20 games this season, so obviously essentially every starter from every single team, if you look at players that have played 20 games, the top five players in the entire league is the entire Las Vegas Aces starting five. I know that we say that, yeah, defense wins championships, defense wins games, but when the offense is that potent, when it's historically incredible, they've got by far the highest pace in the league. They're scoring at record clips in the WNBA. They're hitting, like, they're second in, in three-point three point percentage, right? They're rebounding really well, and they're not even winning on offensive rebounds, right? They're 12th in the league in offensive rebounds. They're just killing people with some of the most efficient scoring you have ever seen without needing second chances. I just, I just don't know how you really stop that. I but know then with the sky, with the sky, don't you have most of the highest defensive ratings? Most of the players are the highest defensive ratings from the Chicago Sky. Yeah, yeah, most of them are like the. I think four of the top 15 players in the WNBA and defensive rating belong or are on the Chicago sky, but yeah, I think we're talking any, about the five best any, offensive rating uh, uh, the five best offensive players in the entire WNBA. And it is the entirety of the Las Vegas aces starting lineup. Like if Asia Wilson's having a bad game then fine, Kelsey Plum will pop off. If Kelsey Plum is having a bad game, Jackie Young will pop off. The fact that you can rely on De'Erica Hamby as like your fourth option in an in a WNBA offense is absolutely insane. And then if like if Chelsea Gray is having a great game from the point, like I just don't know how you stop a team with that many choices. Like you pick your poison against them, they'll kill you on offense. 
Yeah, but the thing is, if there's any, there's any team in the WNBA who can stop them, it's it's the sky. It has to be the sky. And again, they're they're a very balanced team, and they're one of the best three point shoot three point shooting teams in the league as well. I could honestly see them holding them off at least enough to to pull off a series win. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, like obviously, like you guys said, the Sky are probably a more balanced team. Uh, yeah. Not only do they have a ton of players with high defensive ratings, the looking at like the top ten in um, again offensive rating for for players that have at least played twenty games, the Sky still have four players that rank in the top ten, right? Yeah. Or sorry, in like the top top fifteen, right? So it's not as though their offense is weak to any stretch of the imagination. That's four players of their starting lineup that rank in the top 15. Where, do, where, does, where does Kelsey Plum rank in offensive rating? Okay. Yeah, like Kelsey, Kelsey's only fourth in the league uh, in offensive rating right now, right? Like Chelsea Gray is yeah. first, Jackie Young, Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum is fourth with a 109.6. Like every single one of their players has a offensive rating of 109 at least, which... No play like the next player is Emma Meesman of the Chicago Sky, obviously, uh, at one hundred eight point two. And then after that, you got Allie Quigley at one hundred seven point nine of the Chicago Sky. Kalia Copper, Chicago Sky again at one hundred seven point three. And then Candace Parker sits just two spots below Kalia Copper at one hundred six point six. Yeah, when you're looking at the top fifteen, you still have the entirety of the Chicago Sky starting five as part of the best offensive rated players in the entire NBA or in the entire WNBA. And I think for the Aces, Kelsey Plum is definitely one of the biggest problems that the Sky would have to deal with. Um, and it's honestly amazing how just how much she's developed as a player as well, especially this season. Because I, I actually remember playing um, NBA 2K20 back then with one of my homies. And I remember this was like the first year that they introduced the WNBA teams in 2K. So we'd like play all the time. And then one night we just wanted to switch it up and play using WNBA teams. I ended up using the Las Vegas Aces. And I was like, I was pretty astounded. I'm not going to lie. Because uh, I don't remember the team I played against. I think it was the Minnesota Lynx with Maya Moore and Sylvia Fowles. But bro, I torched, I torched that team <laughs> using Kelsey Plum. Yeah, dude, she's like, too fast. She's too good. She's really so she's fast. She was a walking bucket. She couldn't miss a single three. Like, I might have dropped, like, a 40-piece with Kelsey Plum in that game. And back then, in the 2019 WMB season, she averaged only eight, 8.6 points on 36.5% shooting and 36% from three. So it's crazy to see that, you know, right now, she's blossoming into a superstar, averaging 20 points a game, 5.5 assists on efficient shooting, 44%, and almost 42% from beyond the arc. Yeah. So there's just... Just love to see it, honestly. It's kind of insane just how much she's found her stride, and I think that she's found it at the perfect time, considering what the Aces want to be doing for the next few years. So Kelsey Plum did just sign a contract extension that'll keep her in Las Vegas until 2024. She joins Chelsea Gray, uh, Jackie Young, Kirsten Bell, Aisha Shepard as players that are all signed through 2024. Asia Wilson is at least on the team until next year. So I think that the window for contention for this young and absolutely insane aces squad i mean they've got it this year they're still gonna have the exact same core together next year under under becky hammond's yep. tutelage 
do you think that like that was the right decision for the Aces? I mean, obviously that was the right decision for the Aces to make. Or how do we feel about the Aces' chances to really go for the championship this year and then next? Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's either the Aces or the Sky, to be honest. Either yeah. that or Seattle. That's pretty much mm-hmm. who I've got. Yeah, and next Cup. year it's probably gonna be the same. Yeah, I mean the Commissioners Cup final should be could be a finals preview, right? So yeah, I think I think we could probably we could see like a preview of the finals for that one. <laughs> yeah. I I think really like the only thing that would prevent the sky from making the finals this year is probably the sun. Uh the sun have been pretty strong. They just like demolished the New York Liberty back on um well Tuesday, right? Even though like Ionescu had a pretty solid game, they absolutely demolished the sun without the help of John Quill Jones, who is an obvious is obviously a walking bucket. So I think that that's really the only competition in the East. And even then, I just don't think it's enough to really take on the Sky, who are just powering through people. Candace Parker has just been one of the best veterans in the entire dub. I definitely think that we're seeing a preview um, in this Commissioner's Cup of what we stand to see in the finals of the WNBA playoffs. So if you haven't planned on it already, make sure you're tuning into that game. It's going to be an absolute heater. Again, this is the best offense, I think, ever in the dub versus the best defense that we've seen so far this season in the Chicago sky. I think that the sky are a little bit more streaky. I mean, I know that the aces have had a little bit of a harder run in recent weeks, but that offense hasn't really gone away. I don't expect it to go away, especially in as big a game as we're going to see next Tuesday. Anything else you guys want to say? I think that I'm looking forward to it. That's all. Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah, I think moment, but like, I know you mentioned they might turn it up for the big occasion, but I think momentum works, like makes a big difference. The Sky have lost one of their last 10 games. They've been absolutely dominant. And on like both ends, you mentioned that the, the Aces are a historic offense, but the Sky are right behind them. They're second best offense in the league while maintaining a top five defense. I still think they have the edge over them, even though even though the Aces have two players who are MVP candidates in Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum. But yeah, it's going to be a huge game. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be yeah. sick. All right. So again, you guys can tune in to the WNBA Commissioner's Cup next Tuesday. Uh, one of the bigger games of the NBA season. Remember that this is essentially, or we think it's going to be a finals preview. So if you've wanted to get into the WNBA, if you really wanted to get an understanding, a lay of the land of what, of how great the basketball that this league can offer is, make sure to tune into that game. Into that game, um, you've got, I think, I think one of the best, like the best up and coming team, again, in the Aces, young players all like throughout the board. And you've got one of the most iconic faces, one of the most iconic players of the WNBA on the other side of the court in Candace Parker. Uh, Make sure to tune into that. This has been the second episode of the Positionless Pod. We really hope you guys enjoyed. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to say before we sign off here or are we good? Yeah. All right. We're good to go. Um, Yeah. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Really hope you enjoyed. We're going to be trying to implement more WNBA talk in the future. We're only going to be watching more of it. So our analysis is only going to get better of the league. Um, 
you know, again, slow news week in, in, in basketball. Hopefully things pick up. Uh, but yeah, we really hope you enjoyed. Thanks for tuning in to the Positionless Podcast. Make sure to check us out on socials. Everybody's on Twitter. Everybody's on Instagram. You can also check out the Kickout Media on Instagram. It's definitely getting up there. We post all of our other content on there as well as our faces on broadcast because, again, we do do a broadcast every Friday uh, for a TV show. So make sure to tune into that. Uh, anyways, this is Kai Gamage signing off for Diego San Agustin, Mike Cruz, Aaron Matthew. Later, guys. Ciao. Have a good night. <laughs>